ही दिनकर सो सचिन इन लास्ट सेशन आल्सो वी टॉक्ड अबाउट टेक डेट एंड जेन एआई एंड हाउ जेन एआई कुड बी अ टेक डेट किलर एंड वी हैव टॉक्ड अ बिट अबाउट दिस अर्लियर आल्सो सो आई वांटेड टू डू अ फुल सेशन ऑन इट because i think it's um, very interesting a thought not just from the perspective of it can be done but it also opens up possibilities and also how to rethink of how software is being done so before we go in uh, let's do some basics so such in what is tech debt so it, yeah it's a very uh, good topic and very relevant to today's world whenever i have seen people talking about technical debt they they have a set of things in mind they basically create an umbrella category and anything and everything uh, in their engagement or project which is they have parked for later refinement they call that as a technical debt and uh, the word debt comes from that you need to pay that so that it's it, these are like shortcuts or these are inefficiencies some of them get introduced naturally Uh, in an organic manner in your code base and sometimes these are consciously added example would be is you are starting brand new on a project and you do not know what the scale would be yes everybody expects we to go and reach million concurrent users on first month of launch but what if it did not happen so you don't over engineer system what you do is you create reasonable uh, assumptions about what the scale would be in the first few months and then design the architecture such that you can serve your immediate customers and don't over complicate or over engineer your solution and as you start rolling out your product into market and more people start using it you also understand the pattern so the idea is some some of sometimes these debts are accrued consciously with purpose and sometimes these are happening as side effect example would be is uh, the biggest technical debt which the whole world paid was log4j upgradation and uh, it was a zero day there was a vulnerability in the code and people might have had planned to upgrade all their dependencies and libraries and one day it was a forced hand on them everybody needed to modify update their libraries and everything so that is what the technical debt is but let's try to deep like go one level deeper there are few types of debts which you accrue uh these are code debt design debt code debt is typically what everybody talks about i have written some code and some refactorings are required design debt is you created a design in the name of simplification in name of like lack of understanding such in uh, because there's a product manager sitting here and that kind of audience so design you mean architectural design no i'm talking about the design ui ux design the okay. arc, uh, there is also that architectural uh, design technical debt you accrue example as i mentioned about the scale instead of using kafka you may go with a simpler queue solution and later on you will introduce kafka or some sort of like mechanism there is a technical environment debt dependency debt people process debt uh, obviously that is something which uh, is a evolution infrastructure debt documentation testing all like these 9 10 types of debt i had to read the list but if you think about all these type of debts which are introduced over a period of time in your code base the when i was actually working with this generative ai and exploration and understanding the impact of all these tools and uh, the tools which i am talking about are 
tools like ChatGPT, tools like Git, like Code Assistant. Such yeah. an uh, certain before we go into the tools, uh, I do want to cover one thing, and I would uh, want you to get started on that first. Um, so debt is something that we have to pay. Sounds fair. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> is it proportional? Like, why should business care about the debt? So in the sense, what I mean by is it proportional is that, oh, I'm behind by, and the typical unit of measure uh, of debt is in time, days, weeks. Oh, I was designed uh, behind, uh, you know, one year ago, I was, we took some decisions six months back, we did some analysis, I was six months, uh, you know, six weeks behind, let's say. Today, am I still going to be six weeks behind? Is it still going to be six weeks of additional day? Or does it kind of have a, interest is it simple interest is it compounding interest so why should business care about tech debt yeah that's a very good point unfortunately dinkar not all debt is measurable example would be is if you 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 said a technical debt is measured in days weeks time right mm -hmm. that happens when you are doing a static code analysis using sonar cube or some open source tool and library and it is only measuring the code debt it is not measuring your uh, dependency debt or it is not measuring your architectural design. I mean, okay. it does not know by looking at your code how your architecture needs to evolve. Architectural debt would be something is a like holistic view. Okay, what is the scale which we are targeting? What are the non-functional requirements which I need to deal with? What are my business constraints which are coming? Example would be GDPR. One fine day GDPR was introduced and you are launching. I mean, and let's not even talk about a historic event like GDPR launch, but your product was launched in only North America. And then now suddenly you are expanding into Europe region and GDPR is applicable to you. Mm -hmm. Now, when that happens, suddenly you need to be able to ready to deal with those kind of constraints. That's a design. It's not only code debt, but design debt. You need to have infrastructure uh, debt gets introduced. And you can argue with me that, hey, but this is a new feature. But when we were designing the system ground up, certain decisions were made saying, we, we will not deal with it. So mm -hmm. it is not just that you are going to add uh, extension of GDPR compliance, but you are also refactoring some of the earlier design decisions which you took, how you will store data, how will you back it up, how will you uh, like uh, implement the delete account functionality or export your data, whatnot, right? So. These are uh, various types of dates. You can talk about test. You can't even measure what is your testing fully done or not done. Yes, mm -hmm. I can measure test coverage. How, may, how much of your code is basically covered using tests? And the way it does is when you run your test suite, it is like looking at how many lines of actual business functionality code it hit during the test execution. Mm -hmm. So every time a line is uh, like called upon, it will say, okay, for line number 233 in file uh, employee.ruby, uh, it will be, it, it was executed. So it is a very rudimentary way of saying, yeah, if the test is actually passing through this code, it might have checked some functionality. But that could also be a dumb way of checking things. So there is no way to know quality of tests. And like quality of test measurement can happen as like escape defects to production and whatnot, but it is very complex matter. And uh, like uh, we have seen, right? Technical debt or even overall debt itself is tracked by teams, some in Jira, 
some in design backlog. Uh, the uh, many times the product design teams are different than the engineering teams, and they maintain their own backlog. And yeah. when you combine all of that, uh, essentially executives have to think about what is there is no single view basically which talks right. about this debt number one and number two even if they consolidated all of it it is very difficult to quantify it will be a two month or four month or ten month thing but what actually is a deeper question you said why they should care about it maybe quantification is not the goal what mm -hmm. the goal is that what i should do if, or what are the markers which i need to think about that my technical data is going through the roof and i need to address it like few markers would be is you your customers are actually facing certain errors because of your application is not scaling. Now, that type of thing can be much deeper rather than just like adding two servers and one more bigger database into your uh, production systems. It could be also because how you have designed systems or how you're handling customers or how you're serving your assets and whatnot. And these type of all decisions are going to bubble up as symptom into some sort of error mm. or in terms of design any any change you are trying to make and uh, like your team is giving you unreasonable like it mentally feels unreasonable estimate of doing things you say hey i need to actually introduce a new screen in between screen one and two and they say three months and you you talk about why it is three months because i need to rewrite that one whole part of it why do you need to rewrite it's just an intermediate screen and these conversations are extremely indicative that your team has done something and they need to pay that debt because either it is not architected well or either it is not coded well or you took some assumptions which were not reasonable in the real world all type of things. and uh, Sachin you make a very interesting point and this is uh, again something uh, which a lot of enterprise executives um, struggle with right yeah uh, they are used to uh, seeing consumer products which evolve very fast which add features very fast and then they go back to the team and say I want this kind of feature it's just one screen it's just one button exactly Right. Um, why does it take so? Why was this startup? What they probably are not aware of. Um, maybe this is an education for uh, them uh, as executives and also, uh, you know, uh, for IT teams that uh, to educate properly is on the concept of tech debt. That at some point over 10, 15 years of managing and building this legacy, there are so many tech debts that nothing is obvious and you know, these kind of changes sometimes have, we have to kind of go back, pay up all the tech debt and then implement it. And then uh, cost of a program which just wants to add new few screens, suddenly from, hey, maybe it should take a couple of months, it becomes a big transformation program. And that frustrates uh, executives. And I think uh, that is where I think uh, the topic uh, that we wanted to discuss today becomes very relevant that sometimes, uh, you know, uh, what we have noticed is that um, in legacy, the only way to handle tech debt is to transform, rewrite the whole uh, legacy, re-architect it, use new technologies, relook at all the business rules that it, it, it's a whole digital transformation program, right? And then comes along the hypothesis that, uh, you know, it's better to just 
you know, rather than take legacy and strangulate it and step-by-step step transform it over a period of time, take one MVP, take two MVPs, just bring the whole system down, rewrite the whole system in one go and voila, right? And that, that's the hypothesis that um, not today, but I mean, both of us can see that feature coming where, uh, you know, you say to, you know, a generative AI that, if these are my inputs, these are, I give me code that will generate these outputs. And, you know, there's so many things that can be done. But probably it's much cheaper to just bring down the whole thing, rewrite the whole thing, and not just do the traditional digital transformation, which is happening today. How real is this hypothesis? How close are we? And how would it look like? We are not there. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I, I don't no, see... A lot, lot of digital uh, transformation organization companies, <laughs> consulting companies are, but you know, it's coming. Uh, yeah. we, we can't uh, say uh, sitting that no one will move my cheese. See, the... Okay, perfect. So let's talk about that hypothesis and break it down. Yeah. I have never seen anybody successfully doing that. Stop everything, rewrite everything and go live and win completely. Uh, it is always open heart surgery in any cases. And uh, the way I see it is possible to attack this problem better with these new tools. Mm -hmm. So we may go to that utopian future, which you talked about. I don't know that. I do not know a clear path yet. There are multiple steps. So think about today's AI and chat GPT, right? We are starting to use it from January or December. And then uh, before that, it was all GPT for a paper came, attention is all you need in 2017. But that was not the turning point. This happened after 60 years worth of innovation yeah. in artificial intelligence space, like starting from neural networks and everything. So, Typical overnight success, which took decades to happen. Yeah. Correct. So today, what we are talking about, like where we are, we are with these tools and their maturity level and our current understanding of our legacy systems, our requirements, between that, there could be these few iterations of technology and tooling may need to evolve to reach to that utopian level where you said, hey, here is my set of requirements, here is my new set of requirements, and I need to reach here. Probably, we will not need to transform at all. All you have to do is, it will be a very fast iteration to production, essentially. So cost of writing software will drop to negligible and uh, use and throw apps will be very popular. You will write it for Dinkar. Like if Dinkar has a use case, I will write a simple, just like it is generating a web page today for you specifically for your query. It will be an application response, something like that. I'm just talking about it, right? But while we are waiting for that to happen, there is a path today. And I think that path is modularity. If you are able to create good enough modular systems or even, and modularity, I'm not talking about microservices or any specific design pattern. I'm talking about even in a classical monolith application, you can create very modular systems as components, as libraries. And these are going to be extremely important. So if you do that, essentially the whole that particular part of your application can be potentially replaced. And, mm -hmm. uh, and to do that, you will be able to take help of all these tools to explain the existing code. That is a bigger challenge. 
many companies do not undertake the risk of strangulation or uh, removing legacy because you know they never understand fully what was written earlier and and i have seen it myself a code which i have written 5 years ago i don't understand why <laughs> i wrote it that way and yeah. uh, it, it it is a mental chore you have to stress your brain a lot to understand how it was written and if these tools are smart enough to assist you and they will just get better is what my understanding is you will be able to understand it and that will remove a major mental barrier of hey i don't understand this so i don't want to delete this i don't want to change this that will go away second is if you have these modular systems and you have ability to understand this code before even you can start strangulation you can write test cases the cost of test case writing is very low now so one of the biggest challenge of legacy modernization is that not able to validate whether the new code is mimicking existing code so you said right hey here is a set of inputs and here are the set of outputs now that is what generative ai can do really well if you are able to show code you are able to show some methods and you say hey i want to write some test cases but like explain me code it may be time consuming it is not going to be automated like click 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 it may be uh, in, but it it will take a week of time for let's say two modules and you will be able to do far superior job than not having anything at all mm-hmm. and not able to do it in a month's time my my feeling is that it will provide us that confidence that i can actually change this thing now and then once you start creating this modular uh, modular approach best part would be is you will be able to automatically generate documentation one of the biggest problem of software industry is that developers are not good at writing documentations now some people might get mad at me for saying this but i have never seen majority of developers not writing good uh, uh, documentation in fact i i have many times got frustrated <laughs> like there was a method about uh, apply settings and uh, so it is like the method is like in a setting class there is an apply method and it will take set, set of like parameters and it says uh, this method applies settings yes i understand <laughs> <laughs> this is a setting class and this is the apply and it takes a dictionary <laughs> what are the side effects of this if it applies setting and it fails what does it do nobody writes this type of things and these are the problems which needs to be addressed how these type of things happen you will be able to do this so that next time you come and revisit this code it will be far easier for you to handle i have seen writing test cases uh writing documentation explaining your existing code also helping you to debug existing code if there is a bug it it is really good at and these were the dirty activities which required lot of intricate knowledge experience and that's why people would not be able to uh, get fired to be very honest in many cases i have seen that people corner like capture a corner of application which they only know about it and companies have like are afraid of these people leaving and um, it's a big challenge i, I mean i have no intention that okay this this should be making people disposable but my point is that everybody their, their, will their value should not be guarding a, a knowledge right. but their value should be continuously improving it i mean go go back to the basics of yes. creating rather than maintaining yeah. very well said 
exactly it should not we should not keep the knowledge hostage with you mm-hmm. in any any part of the company and if you think about uh, what examples i took right you can address test related debt you can address documentation related debt you can uh, address the debt of code you can to a certain extent you can also address the architectural debt uh, in in a way so this is i'm talking about only your editor and pair like github copilot or codium or there are like code 9 and five other uh, tools but if you combine chat with this mm-hmm. and nowadays those are also available in codium in github uh, copilot chat and there are more tools which are coming in it's a deadly combination right in the editor you are able to ask questions about your own code get answers you are able to ask questions related to hey um i have these two uh, uh, pieces and i need to actually uh, send this over the wire what are my options of encryption of this data yeah. now these type of brainstorming activity used to take so long now it can be done easily and these... or something like uh, summarize my code and then quickly read through it and use it as a comment uh, yes yes and the purpose of the code yeah. yes and this and all of the above so the only places where i see that more human intervention will be required will be designed that where you need to design like understand what uh, user experience is there what are the drawbacks and what you need to do uh, you will need to uh, focus more on architectural debt you need to understand what are the non functional requirements because today at least today these tools don't have a holistic system view so you need to think about that in terms of on, in- uh, sort of interrupt this and on this i think uh, there there is a possibility of a new tool um, maybe someone can build it or you know we may end up uh, thinking about it is you know in evolutionary architecture thoughtworks has a position of fitness functions right um, you write fitness functions against an algorithm or you know an architecture and over a period of time it keeps on ensuring that the purpose is being met uh, cross functional requirements business outcomes whatever right it's almost like uh, you know there 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 is going to be a tool to which kind of goes through the fitness functions and as you said right uh, it uh, as fit, fitness functions evolve or yeah. you know it kind of goes and analyzes and maybe that that's the tool which uh, can take care of uh, you know architectural tech uh, debt it may very well i mean again uh, to me uh, there are few pieces which are which needs to be in place before yeah. that type of thing before can happen yeah. but it is not far from grasp there is a path to that the way you explain add two more steps or remove two more steps like alter a few steps the there is a path to it you can logically think about it and when you can logically break down the problem into smaller components there is a high potential that somebody will code for so yes it is possible so i am excited that with these tools now i can go and start like modifying experimenting with parts of code which were literally these were the neighborhoods of my code bases which i was don't very afraid to walk into <laughs> like after after dark don't go into these neighborhoods right yeah. so otherwise debt collectors will show up and say such and pay up your debt you exactly but those those will actually go away. and uh, if you create modular arc, like systems itself my feeling is that dinkar 
you don't need to create very sophisticated tools to do what you just earlier at the beginning said is delete this. Hey, here is a few things. I want to rewrite this yeah. with these new two features. And I'm hopeful that at least today, it's a sliding scale. So earlier we had zero augmentation. And let's say this is that utopian picture on the right-hand side. There is now a sliding scale somewhere in between here we are at 30, 40%. So the augmentation is very powerful today, which did not allow me to do what I can do today. But this is going to get better. And eventually, I, I don't know whether it's in six months or 12 months or five years, we will reach to a place where technical debt wouldn't be scary at all. Our tool sets will be so rich and so powerful that we will be able to deal with this technical debt in a far superior fashion. Today, what we have access to, if we just forget about all the um, like the ethical and legal barriers of entry for these tools into your code base and enterprise, if you forget about them for now, for a moment, the tool set, what I have seen is powerful enough that you can do far more which you could not do in months. Now you can do in days. Yeah. So as a summary, uh, Sachin, uh, that um, uh, tech debt um, is very important, uh, yes. especially in enterprises, especially when you're looking at legacy and execs need to understand this concept so they can understand why certain things are so hard to do. And uh, there is a new set of um, tools, new ways of working, which are emerging that can help you uh, pay these debts much faster with at much less cost. And uh, teams are exploring it. A lot of organizations are looking at how to get it in. And the executives should also, uh, you know, encourage or make, make it possible for their IT teams to explore these teams by giving them all the related you know, business and legal and all those kind of uh, covers. And uh, the original principles still stand of transformation. It's just that with these new tools, those uh, chores, um, very heavy activities, sometimes very boring activities now can be automated much uh, faster. And people are focusing more on validation and uh, ensuring things are correct. And, uh, you know, handling tech debt is becoming a much um, easier value proposition than uh, before. Yeah, definitely. It scares me a lot less. And uh, to just what you in during your summary said, I do believe there is an increased awareness of technical debt in executives. Uh, I am very happy about it. And uh, they are also aware of the side effects of it. So it is easier today to negotiate and uh, allocate a budget. The only problem is that Many times these debts are not supposed to exist and those are accrued by the teams, but I'm hoping that that's also part of learning that these kind of things happen. And I think, uh, you know, in sometimes in future, we should spend uh, time on, uh, we have talked about Evo metrics, but I think we have never talked about the tool that uh, you and I built and there's an awesome yeah. set of uh, product managers and developers in ThoughtWorks who um, and some partners who made it happen. 
called uh, ThoughtWorks Polaris. Maybe we should talk about the, the reason I, uh, while it is a shameless plugin for uh, ThoughtWorks Polaris, but the reason I brought it up is whenever we have talked about Evo metrics and we have demoed ThoughtWorks Polaris to uh, executives, uh, the uh, questions around uh, tech debt and their awareness is something that you alluded to, that uh, there's uh, much more awareness of these certain technical um, metrics among business executives, which is a very good, uh, you know, uh, sign. Right. Absolutely. And uh, this, this was very uh, useful, uh, Sachin. Thanks a lot. I know you're on your vacation time. Thanks for <laughs> stepping aside uh, from your fun and frolic uh, to uh, talk about this uh, fun uh, topic. This, this is fun. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.